0: Welcome back to the emergency goalies. As we uh, mentioned the last time we were on, if there's some kind of big news, say, Artem Anisimov getting traded, uh, we would come back and uh, give you an updated show. And sure enough, uh, Artem Anisimov was indeed traded to the Ottawa Senators for Zach Smith, a player with a similar contract link a couple more years, but paid about a million dollars less a year. So he gave the Blackhawks a little bit of, you know, some cap space, a little bit extra. But as we expected that this would happen, Anisimov was moved. So I'll ask you, Michael, what are your thoughts on Zach Smith and the trade?
1: Well, like you said, it wasn't unexpected. Anisimov has been kind of a poor fit with the club since the acquisition of Dylan Strome they're both big left-handed centermen don't skate real well and are more offensive oriented middle six centers. Uh, Strom obviously has the higher upside and uh, greater production at this point, And he pushed Anisimov down the lineup. And while Anisimov does a, pretty good job as a two-way guy on an offensive line. He's not really a fit for a shutdown defensive line. And so that, yeah, it just like I said, it wasn't a great fit. To, um, I think the Blackhawks want a little more speed down uh, in at the center position uh, especially when they're already sacrificing a little Listrom, And so Zach Smith is a little more versatile um he does have experience at center uh he's a little better on faceoffs than Anisimov but he's mostly a winger at this point um but he can certainly you know whether it's uh you know kind of sharing duties maybe with Andrew Shaw at uh, at third line on third line center and them kind of playing off each other on the faceoffs Shaw as a right-handed and Smith as the left-handed. They can kind of be a little more fluid with their positions there. Uh, Kind of an up-and-down winger, uh, north-south guy. Um, He's going to throw some hits. Uh, I think uh, after the trade came out, you asked me for somebody who he would kind of remind me of... uh, and at least in recent Blackhawks history, I the closest comp I could kind of come up with is Andrew Desjardins. You know, he's not a guy that's going to chip in a lot of offense. He did have like a 20-some goal season a few years back, but it was one of those situations where he was, you know, it was kind of probably the, the peak of his athletic ability. And also he was, uh, you know, put onto an offensive line in a top six role, with a good offensive player and you know, he was able to capitalize, but his shooting percentage was well above what he's ever uh, been able to accomplish at any other point in his career. So don't expect that kind of production. It, you know, I, I think it's probably the sort of thing where we kind of can hope for maybe five to 10 goals, um, solid defense. he will go to the, the dirty areas of the ice and, um, just sort of be more uh, more well-rounded game, I think, probably, than Anisimov. And then the other big part of it is, like you said, uh, they save about three-quarters of a million in the cap. I think it might actually be a little bit more. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think it was 850 k or something like that um, for the same length of contract. Now, the reason why Ottawa did that is Anisimov's actual salary is lower than what Zach Smith is. Um, Anisimov's contract was basically front-loaded and Smith's is back-loaded. So Ottawa's saving a little bit of money while taking on a bigger cap hit, which they don't care about because they're actually close to the floor, so they probably actually wanted the little bit of breathing room while saving some money. Whereas the Blackhawks don't particularly care about the spending the little extra in salary. They care much more about the salary cap hit. So it works out that way. Um, and then one of the big buzzwords we've kind of been hearing from uh, Colleton, uh since uh, he's been giving some interviews with the prospect camp in that has been, that uh, he wants a more versatile lineup. He wants guys that can play both left wing and right wing or move from wing to center, move up and down the lineup if necessary. And Smith's a guy that provides more of that than an Isomov. And we've been seeing that with some of their other moves as well. You know, uh, like I said, Shaw can play center or wing he can play on your top line for a while when he gets hot he can play on your third line or your fourth line you know however however you want to do it and so I I think we're going to see a lot of different lineups I think we're going to see a lot of fluidity in the bottom
0: six especially well you know that's I was going to ask you too because you know big theme we talked about last year was you know they don't have any depth like the bottom two lines the, the bottom of their lineup was not good. you yeah. did not have NHL caliber guys. So with these moves that they've made so far, do you feel better about the bottom six of the forwards?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm i not going to call it a great bottom six at this point. I'm not even sure I'd call it a good bottom six. But last year's bottom six was abysmal, basically. So, <laughs> um it's definitely improved. The thing I'm looking for is can they develop a defensive forward group, whether it's Smith or Carpenter or Camp or whoever? They got to find some combination where they can match them up against the opposition's top line and it just, you know, holds serve. You know, you, you, we don't need them to. You know even chip in that much but they just they can't get caved in uh either you know in obviously in goal scoring but you know you'd like to see them not even get caved in possession you know just kind of keep it they can be like a 50 50 possession against the top line and just play it in the neutral zone be that kind of a line that that would be a huge huge boon to the blackhawks because it would take a lot of responsibility off of tave's And they've talked about keeping Taves and Kane together. So that means they're going to want Taves being in a bit more of an offensive role. You're not going to want Patrick Kane on a line that's going to be taking defensive zone draws. So they've got to find a line that can handle taking a draw in the defensive zone against a good offensive line and getting the puck out without, you know, spending 45 seconds in their own zone and giving up three
0: shots on goal. And you've got the makings of a couple, you know, uh, Taves and Kane line. I don't know who you'd have playing Winger with that, but you could have. And then second line was, you know, Stroman to Brinkhead. I'm trying to get.
1: And so I, you know, uh, just kind of talking about, you know, going back to the fluidity, I think you'll see those two pairings uh, pretty consistently. And then. They might be able to kind of play the hot hand with the left-wing spot on the Taves line and then the right-wing spot on the Strom line. You know, whoever is playing the best, whoever's displaying the most chemistry with those guys at at any particular time will kind of fill those roles. And then hopefully, like I said, they can find at least a second pairing or excuse me, a third pairing uh, to kind of be the defensive uh, grouping. I, my guess is Carpenter will be at least one of those guys. Um, but then whether it's Camp or Smith or whoever, um, that's going to kind of form that core of the defensive line. That, that, that's the thing that I'll look for is if we can get those three if you can get at least three pairings that you can rely on and then you know move guys in and out of the other spots i that would be a huge improvement and w- to me would be the signal that the blackhawks were would be an actual playoff contender as far as well at least as far as the forward core well you know obviously we still have some questions on the defense especially health
0: yeah so we'll move on to the other big um story of the past couple weeks, and that is, of course, the Blackhawks at their prospect camp uh, last week. And, you know, I I heard little bits and pieces. It sounds like Kirby Dock was very impressive, but I'll ask you for what you saw and read about the prospect camp.
1: Yeah, I tried watching as much of it as I could. It was obviously uh, mostly taking place while I was at work, and uh, the video feed on it was a little unreliable, so... I was only catching bits and pieces and then uh, seeing some of the highlights that uh, um, you know some of the writers and stuff put up on Twitter. So, yeah, I definitely the two guys that, that stood out and they're the two guys that you would expect to and hope would stand out are the Blackhawks' two top prospects. And that's Kirby Doc and that's Adam Boquist. And those two guys, basically, anytime they were out there, you noticed them. Boquist was extremely confident with the puck. He was being aggressive offensively, making things happen, skating better than I saw him last year. He looks stronger, and just I, it, it just seems like he feels like he belongs now. And that he's, you know, when he got drafted uh, and in his draft interview, in his post draft interview, he had kind of mentioned that uh, he thought, you know, he might be two to three years away from being in in the NHL. And he's not talking like that anymore. He has mentioned that he thinks that, you know, it could even be this year. It sounds like their Blackhawks have kind of changed gears a little bit and in that they don't plan on sending him back to um, juniors that they think he could be ready for the AHL, which also may have factored into the decision on the Yoki Hardy trade, in that both of those guys would be kind of competing for the same playing time down there. And you want you would want both of those guys getting first. You know, first-line power of play, you know, first, uh, first pairing minutes on five-on-five, you on know, five, it would have been tough to share. But, yeah, so Boquist, I think Boquist actually looked the best out of anybody out there. Uh, obviously, Doc, you know, is a year younger, but um, as, as far as the forwards, he stood out. He's just, he, his size obviously gives him an advantage over most of the players out there. His reach is fantastic. He backs it up with knowing where to go both offensively and defensively. So he gets into passing lanes. He back checks and uh, will harass uh, puck carriers if he's playing from behind, if he gets caught up. And then offensively, he does a good job of, slowing the game down and protecting the puck, finding the open guy. And you're starting to see a little bit of more aggressiveness as far as shooting the puck as well. Although it's kind of tough to see in this type of environment where it was, you know, a lot of four on four and that sort of thing and a lot of open ice. But yeah, he, he definitely stood out definitely to me. He's the most talented, uh, forward that the you know the Hawks have and I think that that gets lost a little bit in you know the narrative of that you know he's just kind of the the, the uh, you know a big centerman in that he does have skill he can control the puck he can make uh he can thread passes through so he's uh he's looking really good to me I think that's that there's a lot of potential there. Uh, beyond those two, uh, Ian Mitchell looked really good uh, in a two-way defenseman
0: uh, capacity. Um, he was uh, showing some
1: confidence stepping up on some guys in the open ice and uh, separating them from the puck, which is something you would like to see. You know, kind of like a Duncan Keith. You're not. He's not going to be a one be a guy that you want battling in the corners very much you want him to be stepping up at the blue line and eliminating the rush before it happens and i saw some good uh good plays in that regard by mitchell and then he's a he's a pretty good puck handler and playmaker himself in the offensive zone so that was very encouraging uh in the drills the Uh, You saw a lot of the skill from Alex Nylander. Uh, Once the scrimmages started, he kind of disappeared a little bit in my estimation. He wasn't skating very hard. Kind of got a little bit of the Brandon Perlini feel to it, where it was, I'm not sure he wants to be everywhere that he needs to be sometimes. So I'm, yeah,
0: because I, I saw that kind of, of
1: fits the narrative we were
0: hearing. Yeah, yeah so That, that couple, concerns me a bit. Yeah, I saw a couple of articles saying like you know uh, Alex Nealander scouts not impressed and grumbling yeah. from reporters. So I was kind of made me he, worried.
1: He, he's definitely got skill. Um, it, you know, especially when they were doing one on ones and that sort of thing, he was making some really nice plays. But once uh, he kind of got into the the, you know into the more team related activities it um you know it wasn't quite as uh, uh hopeful anyway but uh yeah um, trying to think who else uh oh, i i had a couple other guys in mind and now i'm kind of drawing some blanks but overall i was i was very happy with it i it, there's definitely more high end talent in the system uh, than there was a couple of years ago, where you know at the time it was probably the best that they had. He's more of a shooter than a playmaker, so in those type of environments, he wasn't he didn't stand out quite as much. Whereas this this time around, there was a lot more guys that could do things with the puck, which is very encouraging to see.
0: Yep. So I'll ask you one more uh, question because. You were talking about the last time we were talking about Does Kirby doc get, you know, like that little nine game look to start the season before he goes to juniors. And after this prospect camp, do you feel that that's more likely now? Hard to say it. He definitely didn't do anything
1: that discouraged my feeling that he can, that he's going to get it. But you know, training can't. Well, we'll we'll see in Traverse City once the prospect tournament starts as well. Uh, well, those are much more competitive games. It's five on five. It's it's real hockey. Just you know, maybe maybe not a hundred percent intensity as far as uh, you know laying guys out in every game, but um, that that'll that'll be a much better gauge of you know where he's at, and then once training camp rolls around that's that's when we'll really find out you know when when he's actually competing against uh grown men nhl strong players can he actually protect the puck the way he needs to can he create a little bit of separation and you know still uh, thread some of those passes through when you know the passing lanes close down a little quicker You know, it it may take him a little bit of an adjustment period. He may still need to get a little stronger before he's ready to do that. And in that case, you know, they can always just send him back down to juniors even without giving him the nine game trial. But at at least at this point, they don't have a perfect fit as the third line center. And he's got enough talent where it would warrant at least you know, a look, see is assuming he isn't, if he, assuming he doesn't look overwhelmed during training camp. So I'm still, I'm still hopeful that we'll see it.
0: All right. Well, uh, you know, that we pretty much rounded up all the news we've gotten. I think, you know, you brought up the prospect tournament. Maybe we will try to do another show after that. And I'm sure there'll be some kind of, you know, news with the, with the, um, the big team too, by that point. So, uh, yeah, look, by look, that look, point,
1: look. Uh, training camp will be nearing, too, so we can maybe do a little bit of a preview for that, too.
0: That's, yeah, yeah. So that, that'll be a good uh, point to, to end this. So, as always, I am at STH85 on Twitter, Michael. And J underscore Ernst. Yep, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just look up uh, Emergency Goalies in the iTunes store, and you'll see uh, – just look for that picture of Scott Foster in a full goalie gear and that'll be your, that's our podcast. So, and you know, until then, thank you as always for listening.